Well, here we are in the second week that we are talking about enough, what it means to have enough in our lives and, and discovering the joy through simplicity of our life and generosity. The testimony that we heard this morning from Jim um, talks about a wonderful pillar of this church, uh, Glenn Welton. You know, I didn't get to know Glenn, but I'll tell you, Glenn was one of the very first names I learned. Um, when I, and I want to I be open and share this with you because I feel like you need to hear this from me. Um, when I was at annual conference, I got a phone call from Jen Green. Um, and actually, right before that, I got a text message from the DS that said, meet me in the hall right now. That's never a good thing. <laughs> and he said, Jen Green is going to call you. And he's going to tell you about this gift that was given to the church, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And so I talked to Jim. At the time, we thought it was $300,000 that Glenn had given us. And uh, the first thing the DS said was, well, Lord, what are you going to do with $300,000? And I said, oh, well, that's <laughs> You know, um, when we're talking about wisdom and finance, I think it's always good to point to the, the, the people that we know in our lives that we can say, this is, this is what God wants us to do. And Glenn was definitely that way um, in this congregation. Um, a few people knew that he was leaving money to the church. No one, and I want to say this, no one knew how much. Some people had some ideas, but no one knew how much. We didn't even know how much until the very end. And he had been very wise in his giving and very generous in his giving his entire life, the entire time that he was a member of this congregation. So today, as we talk about wisdom and finance, um, it would be a blessing if we could all look towards what Glenn has done, not just in leaving the church money, but in the way in which he lived his life, in the way in which he had um, given generously to this church. But I want to start by talking a little bit and we're going to come back to Glenn here in a minute. But I want to start a little bit with uh, talking about the scripture from, the, uh, from Luke, the prodigal son. How many of you have heard this before, the prodigal son? Did you know that prodigal actually means one who wastes money? Interesting, right? So the prodigal son is one. The prodigal means one who wastes money. A spendthrift, right? So um, this son... And Jesus is telling the story. It's a parable. So this is an actual story that happened. No, it's a story that Jesus is telling us to teach us a lesson. And for your information, Jesus talks about money more than anything else in Scripture. So he talks about this son who goes to his dad and asks for his inheritance. Now, this is, um, I need you to set yourself back in uh, first century, right, uh, Christianity, Jesus was about 33 AD. I want you to sit yourself back in there. There were the haves and there were the have-nots, and it was a very big difference, right? Um, the system of, of money was given, uh, the, the father would have it, and then would give it to the son, the inheritance, uh, to the sons at death. Okay? Not before then. So the prodigal son comes to his father and he says, I want my money. I wish you were dead. Basically, that's what he does. Now, is that shocking a little bit to us? Right? I want my money. I wish you were dead. So, the father 
inheritance, take it and go. So this one who wastes money takes it and runs off and he spends it all. Shock, right? He spends every last bit of it. And then he has lost everything. Um, he doesn't have his money. He had to go hire himself out to be basically a slave, a servant, right, to this place. And he doesn't have anything to eat. He doesn't have any money. And he's wishing, as he's feeding the pigs, he's wishing that he was a pig. Because the pigs get better food than he does. And he says, you know what? Wait. This is not the life that I wanted. This is not what I wanted for myself. I'm going to go back to my dad, throw myself at the mercy of my father, and then hope, beyond hope, that he would take me back, even in a small way that's got to be better than this. So he goes back to his dad. And his dad sees him from afar and is overcome with joy. There's my son who was lost, and he's back. Kill the fatted calf, give him a robe, give him a ring. We're going to celebrate him. We're going to celebrate him. What a wonderful day this is. I thought my son was gone, but now he is home. And the son is so shocked by that mercy and that grace that he doesn't know what to do. Now, I'm sure if Jesus went on to tell us more about this son, that he would probably spend the rest of his life trying to make up for what he did. Now, Jesus tells a story. It's a very complex story. The part that I want to focus on is the mercy that God gives the son. You know, the son turned away from him, right? And we're to relate the mercy that God gives us to the mercy that the father in this story gives to the prodigal son. And even though we turn away from God, even though we do things that we're not supposed to do, even though we're wasteful with our, our money, with our time, with our bodies, even though we're wasteful, when we come back to God, he is so happy to have us. That's how important we are. I mean, he doesn't sit there and say, well, I told you so, right? In the story, the, the father welcomes him with open arms. We are to relate to God in that way. You know, this country has a huge problem with money. There are people who are living way beyond their means. There are people that, um, you know, just waste what they have. In fact, I was reading a book about the, the culture of poverty, okay? And uh, there are two types of, of cultures. And, you know, I'm breaking this down and making it way more simple than the book was. But for our terms here today, this is how I'll explain it. Um, there are two types of people. So say I had $1,000 to give someone. I had a thousand dollars. 
you, even though you had bills to pay, even though your car was broke, even though um, you need to save it for a rainy day because you don't have any savings, you would take that money, go buy a bunch of beer, and throw a party. <coughs> These are the two types of people that we have in our culture. This is what this book was telling me. That even though there are people who are broke, that don't have any money, when they do get money, they waste it. Because the basic principles of having money and knowing what to do with it have never been taught to those people. So how do we expect people to get out of poverty, to get out of um, doing those things if we never taught them any different, right? Now I want you to think about who in your life taught you about money. Was it your parents? Was it the school? Was it your grandparents? Well, in fact, really, uh, teaching about money should come from the church. God has very specific things to say to us about money and what we should do with money and why we should do it. In fact, let me tell you, did you know that the tithe came first, not so that the priests could get paid and the lights could stay on, the tithe, which is 10% of your giving that is supposed to be given before you pay any other bill, that came, the book of Deuteronomy, because God was trying to make the people of Israel rely on him first. And you want to know how you get people to rely on you? You take their money, right? <laughs> it's the truth. Where do we learn these types of, of skills in our lives. If we're not talking about it, if we're not teaching it to our children, to our grandchildren, to our nieces and nephews, they're going to learn it somewhere, and they're going to learn that culture of poverty is way more fun to buy a bunch of beer and throw a party than to save it for a rainy day, or to fix your car, or to put it in the bank and see if it can grow, or to take 10% of that in to give. You see, this idea of wisdom with finance doesn't often go together. We've got to be able to teach ourselves and our children how to do that. You know, I want to um, share a story with you um, about giving to God. There's a pastor friend of mine and maybe you've met pastors like this. And, and I try not to be this way, and I, I know sometimes I am. But um, there's a pastor friend of mine who's always so busy, right? Just always so busy. Just had to rush and go do this over here, and then had to rush and go do this over here, and then had to rush and go do this over here. You, maybe you've seen me do that, right? And never had time for anybody. Someone came up to talk to them all year. I got like two seconds again. That's all I got. Then I got to be out the door. So sorry. I don't have time. No, sorry. Michelle, I'm sorry. I know your mom broke her ribs, but I can't talk to you today. You're just going to have to. I'm busy. Right? Okay. And then I'm going to go over. You guys are fine. You're good. I'm go I don't have time to talk to you. Or even to say hi. I'm just going to keep going. I don't have time. Definitely don't have time to talk to you. Well, that's right. And I just don't have time. I don't have time for you all. And I'm just so busy because I've got to work on my sermon today. And I'm just so stinking busy. You know people like this? You know people like this? People that don't have any time. They're so busy that they don't have any time. 
when we're so busy and we don't have any time, what kind of time are we giving to God when we're rushing like that? What kind of uh, prayers are we sending up? What kind of Christians are we becoming? Because let me tell you something. God wants 10% of your time just as much as he wants 10% of your time. He wants you to be committed to him, to take that time. Some of us can't give. I get it. I get it. You know, there's lots of finances, there's lots of reasons, there's lots of things. We can't give that money. And it's not about the amount. It's about the act. So if you're not able to give money, that's fine. That's not what I'm asking for you today. What are you doing with your time? What are, you, what are you doing when you slow down and try to give something for God? That's what I'm going to be asking you all to do these next few weeks. Last week I asked you to make a budget. We actually have a budget worksheet. Did you all get that? We have that budget worksheet in case you didn't have one. Now you have one. This week I'm going to challenge you to something different. This week I want you to take 10% of your time and you can figure that out however you want to. Is that 10 minutes a day? Is that an hour all week? Is that an hour a day? I want you to take 10% of your time and do something with God. I want you to pray. I want you to read your Bible. I want you to journal. I want you to maybe go out and do a mission somewhere. There's all sorts of things to be done. All sorts of places to go. This week, I want you to take what you would consider 10% of your time and do something for God. Because that is what I'm going to be asking that this congregation does this next year. Is that we commit more to God. It's not just about money. It's not. Your time is between you and God. Your time is also between you and God. When was the last time you spent with him. When we look around and we're trying to be wise in our finances, we have to be careful because the world wants us to be busy. The world wants us to spend on little things. The world wants us to, to, to do this, right? In fact, I mean, you can't even go to, to Walmart. You'll, you'll learn that I talk about Walmart all the time. I have a love-hate relationship with Walmart. Does anybody here work at Walmart? I need to find out one. Okay, I'm not talking to you. Okay. <laughs> love hate relationship. I love it. I hate it. I love to hate it. Um, in the lines at Walmart, they have learned, right, that if they put the stuff for the little kids right down below, how many of you have had knockdown, drag outs with your children? Do I get a witness? Did anybody hear us in Joanne's the other day? That was my kids. They do the same thing there. These, these little things down here that are wasteful. You don't need any of that stuff. There's that one thing in there that you really need. Right? Matchbox car for $1.29. My son's laying on the floor crumping it. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We waste our money, and we waste our time on things that are not important. So I'm asking you to be intentional. 
intentionally not what you do with your time this week. And I'm going to ask you to report back next week. Because I can promise you that somebody as wonderful as Glenn spent time with God. Not just his generosity that he gave with his money. But I can promise you he spent time with God. He went to Sunday school. He prayed. He was involved in the missions of this church. We can look to him as somebody in this congregation to learn from. And may we all be blessed that at the end of our lives, we trust a congregation so much that when we leave our money to them, we say, we know you're going to do the right thing. And that's what Glenn did. He could have put all sorts of earmarks on it and tied our hands, but he didn't. He said, here it is, because he had the faith that we could work it out. A wonderful guy. My prayer for you all this day is that you all can have that kind of joy and generosity, not just with your money, but with your time. So 10% of your time this week, whatever that looks like, I don't know, could be different to everybody. But 10% of your time with God, that's what I'm asking you to do. All right? Okay, let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for all that you have given us. Thank you for giving us such a faithful servant in Glenn that we would be able to learn about how to have wisdom in finances. Help us, Lord, to be your people. Help us to know what you have called us to do. In your loving name we pray. Amen. <laughs>